Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. And today's guest was drafted into the NFL in 2003 as an offensive lineman. And at 6'6 and over 350 pounds, we can honestly say he was well-suited for the position. After five years in the league, he decided to retire and he founded his own construction company, Caden Premier Enterprises. After several years of fast growth, the business went bankrupt, losing almost $2 million on a single project in 90 days. Having a few construction clients myself, I know how that can happen. These were dark times, but he pulled himself together, got a part-time job as a custodian, and with hard work and determination, he started a new career as a keynote speaker, executive coach, best-selling author, and marketing leader focused on helping to build the success of others through his company, Ogden Ventures. Some of his accounts include Home Depot, the National Football League, J.P. Morgan, Cisco, New York Life, and one of my favorites, First Citizen Bank, because, well, I'm a customer. In 2018, he was named the subject matter expert by the North Carolina USO on leadership from within. For those of you not familiar with the USO, the United Services Organization, their mission is to strengthen America's military service members by keeping them connected to family, home, and country throughout their service to the nation. And being a veteran myself and my father, I can actually remember many years ago walking into a USO location in Paris, France with my dad and my three brothers And the warm welcome we received walking into that door, they do great work. And I appreciate the work that this man does for them. He is presently the co-host of Lev and Marcus podcast. Please welcome former NFL player, author of Sleepless Nights, professional speaker and coach Marcus Ogden. How are you doing, Marcus? I'm doing well, Dr. Gary. How are you? I'm terrific. I know that was a little long intro, but... You've had a busy life for a young man. I call you young because you're a few decades younger than me, Marcus, but you've had some good things going on. We want to talk about that today and talk about how that has focused you where you are today and developed your leadership capabilities. When I read the things, you had big highs with the NFL, you know, in your 20s, started this construction company, you're kicking ass, taking names, doing great, Mm -hmm. bam, and it hits you. Like a ton of bricks. Tell me what going through that experience did for you as a man, as a leader, and what happened? Well, you know, Dr. Gary, Caden Premier Enterprises, my construction company, had a ton of success. We started as a small concrete and demolition contractor in Baltimore City. We grew when one of my mentors went out of business. A huge void opened up for earthwork, construction, utilities, semi-erosion control, in the Baltimore City region. We stepped into it. We had a lot of success very quickly. We grew from $4 million to 10 to over 15 in a really short amount of time. But what really happened was, Dr. Gary, and I have a saying, if you are not prepared to handle success, 
success will handle you. And as a result of that, I ended up really becoming egotistical, very arrogant, very self-centered, not really relying on my people and not trusting them and not treating them like they deserved. As a result of that, Dr. Gary, my best employees left the organization. That in combination with a big job where I spent about $3 million of my money, give or take, over the project's estimated value, which was $4 million. Hmm. Once I spent that $3 million and it was not paid back by the developer and contractor, I went bankrupt and I lost everything in 2013 when I moved to Raleigh with $400 to my name. And I had not a idea of what to do next in my life. I had a couple of jobs that I did. I had a job at Merrill Lynch, but I was only there for about two months and I got fired, all my fault. Went to a construction company the next day, was there for five days, got fired after that. So I was fired from two jobs in the same week and I was left bankrupt. Well, in the process of filing a bankruptcy, I was broke both financially, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Now, it wasn't to the point where I was broken, but I was just broke. I tell people all the time, you can have a bend, but never break. So I wasn't broken. I was just broke to that mm. point. And I was almost broken, almost, but I didn't get there. And thank God I didn't, because if you get to that point, Dr. Gary, it's hard to bounce back. But I was broke financially, mentally, physically drained. And I was just literally almost down and out at that time, which was basically the summer of 2013. So when you think back on those times and you say you were, you were broke, but not broken, what do you think gave you the strength and the courage to not go to being broken? I mean, a lot of people might've stepped over that line. It's a, it's a tough place to be with losing your business, losing jobs, feeling like, look, I, I don't, I don't like to use the word, but feeling like a loser you're just losing, right? Mm-hmm. What got you through that? So I started coaching kids football, which was great. It was just nice, but that didn't really wake me up because I was just making a bunch of money. Well, not I was making a little bit of money. Excuse me. I had a bunch of clients, but not making a lot of money because when you do personal training, you know, you sell things for like three for one twenty nine, six for you know two fifty, which is nice. I mean, nothing wrong with that. You know, it pays bills, but you'll make a lot of money. So I was just basically making enough to stay afloat and not go homeless because the NFL through the Gene Upshaw Trust Fund, paid four months of my bills. So with those four months of bills being paid, I could stack money away and try to save. So once that was going to be running out, I could try to get back on, on even keel. Well, because of the fact that I ended up you know, getting fired from those jobs and all that type of stuff, I started doing the training, which was fine. But I ran to a snag when all my kids were starting to play football during their practices and their seasons in August. So my training got less and less. and I needed money. Bills didn't stop. So I took a job because one of my clients owned a janitorial custodial business and she needs some help. And I worked for $8.25 an hour on the night shift, 10 p.m. till 5 a.m. And I ended up getting myself and hitting my rock bottom moment of clarity as a custodian with somebody's trash, rotten meat, nasty protruding garbage cover my body, my skin, and my clothes in that September 2013. And that was my wake-up call. Instead of going further over the edge and just jumping off, that moment, Dr. Gary, pulled me back from the edge and made me realize, all right, 
if I'm going to go, the edge is right here, edge, ledge, whatever you want to call it. This moment is going to either send you one or two ways. Mark is off and it's going to be done or it's going to pull you back to get your life back on track. Pulled me back. And then I wrote, I came home that morning. I wrote down my three biggest strengths. And then I realized what I want to do with my life, which was become a keynote speaker. And I started my career in that trajectory. So what, how are you using that now? That, that experience, and we've all had, well, many of us have had experiences. Uh, I had in 2010 was on the edge, uh, broke but not broken. I had to go home to my mom in Connecticut and tell her with the things that I was going through in my life that uh, I'm not going to jump off the bridge. Uh, the, the, the bridge is right there and I see the bridge, but I'm not going to jump off. I'm okay because of the things that my parents taught me mm-hmm. because of the strength that they gave me and, and knowing that I, both of my parents were still alive. Both of them were, were still healthy and both of them were still telling me that they're for, they're for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, were there people there for you that kind of helped you get through this? So I had my fiance who's now my wife and I had the support of her family, which was astronomical. Mm-hmm. They didn't know me very well or for very long, but they went all in because I was dating their daughter and we ended up, you know, being ourselves in the position to get exactly where we needed to get, which was working towards, you know, fixing our, you know, getting back on track in the future and all that. But between my fiance, who's now my wife and her family and a little bit of family I had left in my corner, I was able to get through a hard time. But I lost a lot of family. I lost a lot of friends in that time because I couldn't help anybody out financially, emotionally, like I had been doing with Caden's success. Because if we were making money, I was able to help other people. Yeah. But, to, you know, that's that's the thing. You help other people and hope that those people can be there for you when you need it. Right. And that's when you find out who your real friends are. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. You do. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. Do. yeah. So um, I want to go back to uh, a, couple, a couple of things that you've done and talked about. First of all, talking about being a bad boss. You know, when you were at Caden, uh, you admit with vulnerability that you made some mistakes, you did some things mm-hmm. that forced you to be a bad boss and people quit because of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you talked about being arrogant and mm-hmm. the ability to be able to admit these things today mm-hmm. and, and in your past, I've always talked about in leadership is, is the beginning of becoming a great leader. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to admit your flaws you know, more. so what, what do you think about that? How do you, how do you help other people now that whether they're on the edge or they're not, but they're arrogant and they're, they're think they know it all. They're not really coming to grips with their strengths, limitations, and, and truly connecting with other human beings in an authentic way like you do today. Well, what I tell them is, is that success takes a long time to build. But dropping or hitting rock bottom, losing it all can happen in the blink of an eye. It took me almost six years to build a multi-million dollar construction company. It took me about 90 days, just three months to pretty much lose it all and lose everything. So what I tell people is if you want to risk putting your empire, putting your legacy, your business in harm's way because of a little word, three little word called ego, which I say stands Mm -hmm. for exaggerated, glorified opinions, then have at it. 
But I'll say this to you also. I'm a guy that did that. I'm a guy that lived on that. I'm a guy that literally lost everything because of his ego. So take it from me. It can happen really quickly. $15 million a year business, height of the Baltimore market with our brand. We were a minority contractor of the year. We were doing all these great things in a matter of days, around Mm -hmm. 90 to be exact, but days lost it all. So I tell people all the time, your ego can ruin everything in the blink of an eye. And it's usually the biggest silent killer of any organization. Because most of the time, if you're not looking around or trying to focus on it, you don't see it Mm. until it's too late. I I love that exaggerated, glorified opinion. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to use that because I, when we talk about leadership all the time, we talk about putting your ego aside and building teams. And if you're, if you think you've got the only opinion in the room, you're not building teams and that's how you lost your team, isn't it? Correct. I lost my team because I did not allow them to express themselves without fear of being judged. And once everybody was afraid of being judged, people stopped talking. Once they stopped talking, they felt they weren't valued. Mm. The minute they felt they weren't being valued, they were looking for the door or another job to go to. So just to kind of look at uh, some of the symptoms of that disease, that ego disease, if you go back and talk a little bit about when all of this was going down, in that period of time when things were falling apart mm-hmm. and people were quitting and pe- you were probably, I'm, I'm going to guess you were probably getting frustrated and aggravated and irritated and angry oh, that yeah. these people were leaving you and not realizing that at the time, not realizing that it was your ego that was the real problem, right? Uh-huh. Um, what, talk a little bit about what what was your thinking back then and what are some of the things that if you were talking to me as a young man and I've, I've got an ego and I think I'm, I'm all cool and everything, what would you tell me? What would you say to me that says, look, these are the things you got to look out for? Mm-hmm. Which I tell you all the time is a couple things. One, success can be phenomenal, but it also can be deadly. Mm-hmm. Because if you start thinking that you are better than what you are, you got a problem. Number two, if you feel everybody around you is always agreeing with you, that's another problem. Because at the end of the day, I tell my team all the time, challenge me. You don't like this. Tell me why. Let's discuss it. Let's try to make something happen. We can move forward. But I don't expect everybody just to say, Marcus, you're right. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm assuming that back then you weren't saying that. You weren't asking them for their opinion. (laughs) Back then it's like, if you don't say my way or like I want, you're fired. Like mm. that's what it was. I mean, let's, right. let's let's call it what it is, Dr. Gary. It's like either my way or you're fired. Yeah. There was no, you know, let's talk about it. Let's have a dialogue. Nope. Yeah. No, you don't want to do it like I do. You're gone. Yeah. So it's like, and the third thing is if you start to think that everything you say and everything you do is right, there's another problem mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, you need to be open to dialogue, conversation and discussion to actually make great things in the organization. So like for our team, we have my website designer, my web developer is, is, Leban- is from Lebanon. He's Lebanese. Uh, my business partner, Dawn, Caucasian female, Albert, African-American male, dominant African-American male. We're hiring a publicist, Ben, who starts in February. She is Vietnamese. And I tell everybody, everybody here fits the culture. We all fit. 
Question is, can we all just align and work together? And if you think that you can't have somebody challenge you or ask this or this, that, you're in the wrong room, you're not going to work here. So to me, everybody fits the culture, right? Until you show me that you don't. Once you show me that you don't, and my team that I have constructed now, because Ben is actually new. We're going to start with her in February. So, again, Albert, Donovan, George, uh, Dawn, and myself, we work like a unit, and we're adding Ben. But I'll find out early enough if she's going to be able to work within our culture, because, again, to me, she fits until you tell me otherwise. So those are some things you need to be looking out for. You know, in, you know, in that regard, you know, for yourself. So talk to me a little bit about how you determine if someone fits the culture. So what I do is I want to know, is somebody actually going to be open to dialogue? Is somebody mm-hmm. actually going to be allowed to create an alignment with a shared vision with somebody they may not agree with? I want to know if a conflict arises, can you dispute it in a healthy way, right? These are all the moving parts of being in what we call a healthy, sustainable culture. And that's what I look for. You don't have to always agree with me or everybody else, not a problem. But if you don't agree, do you not agree and try to shun someone or belittle someone? Or you say, I don't agree. Can we talk about it? Can we discuss it to see what makes the most sense? So have you had someone that you've had to fire or get rid of or, or re- remove yourself from because they didn't fit the culture? And w- talk about that. How did that, yeah, we don't, I, had, I don't want any names. I just no, want to no, know. Yeah. I, had a, I had a gentleman who was helping us with some, uh, doing some online course stuff work. And unfortunately he did not get along with George, my web developer. And George is from, you know, from another country, Lebanon. George is not big on, you know, he thought, man, he's trying to make, he's trying to uh, uh, slight me. He's trying to like make comments. I'm like, dude, George is from another country. Like he doesn't see humor and all that like we do. I don't see that. And then he said, well, you know, man, either he goes or I go. And so then I talked to Don and I talked to my other team members and I said, you know, George has been great with everybody. You know, George has worked well with Don for years. Me, him and Albert were starting to know each other. They got along well. Donovan wasn't here at the time, but you know, so it was the core of me, Don, George, and Albert. And I made the decision that this other person go because, and I found out that that person was intimidated by George mm. because he wanted to run SEO, all that stuff. And I just made the decision that, look, I don't have time for this type of, you know, you know, high school, junior high behavior. I don't have time for it. We're grown. We're grown people here. If we can't resolve conflict healthy and in a way that's not confrontational, you can't be here. And so we end up letting that person go. Best thing for us to do, because now our team, you know, we have a healthy, sustainable group. We all work well together in all that regard. It's it's amazing to me the number of organizations that I've worked with where you have what I, I call them emotional black holes. You know, in some ways, you know, people just... Uh, I guess the the phrase I always use, Marcus, is people always add energy to the room. Someone they walk in, someone they walk out. Mm-hmm. And and when people are walking out and adding energy to the room, then they need to stay out of the room. <laughs> you know, it's it's that simple. And and it's not because they're bad people or anything. It's just that they just they don't flow with the other people in the organization. And I think one other thing I want to I want to point out is you talk about uh, you have someone from Lebanon from from Vietnam uh, different ethnic backgrounds and th- none of that matters with when you talk about values and getting along and working well together 
it, it, it's almost like if we were on a video call and I can't see you, I may treat you differently because I have no perspective on anything about you in terms of your ethnic background, your skin color, your nationality or anything. And all of a sudden the conversation just becomes based on the merit of what we say and, and do. Uh-huh. And I was brought up that way by my military father. He said he was in submarines. When you're under the ocean at a hundred feet with a hundred other men, they only care about one thing. Get the mission. Can done. you can you do your job? That's it. That's you can't it. do your job. We're get gonna die. Get off. <laughs> you know, get off no, you're hundred right. And like this, and that's what has to happen in business. Like you have to put aside differences, all type of stuff. Look to me. I only see people that can either do one or two things. Either you can get the job done or you can't. If you can't get the job done, no harm, no foul, no issues. We can't work together. If you can get the job done, I don't care what color you are, what gender you are, your sexual orientation, your ethnicity. I don't care about any of that. You don't. You could be a college graduate. You could be a PhD. You could be a GED. You could be a high school dropout. I don't care. If you can do the job, that's all I care about. And I learned yeah. that from my father. My father hired back in the late 70s, early 80s, who was best for the job. That's it. That's all he cared about. That's how I am. And that's how we have been so fortunate here at Ogden Ventures to grow because we have team members that all work well together alignment around a shared vision and everybody likes each other. And when you like each other, it's so much easier to actually work together. And, and I think that there's a, the next step of that is that that's a competency. Can you do the job? But the next part of it is it, can you do the job and get along with the team members? Sure. Cause sure. You, so you, I mean, you played at a high level playing in the NFL and everything. And you, I know I play competitive tennis at uh, a national level. I just came back from a national tournament, love to play tennis and when I play doubles, there's a certain chemistry between me and my doubles partner. And I've been on the tennis court with other people. And you're kind of like, it just doesn't flow. It doesn't, they're not a bad player. It just, they're competent, but there's something about their style, their strategy, their approach. I was actually playing just a, a, a little aside with a friend of mine the other day. And he, he goes across, if you play tennis, he poaches, which is going across the net and hitting a volley. And I went behind him. I went to the other side because you flow as a team. And I hit the volley and we end up winning the point. He turns around and goes, wow, you, you had that covered. I'm like, well, yeah, I had that covered. It's just good doubles. I mean, you just move, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he played with a lot of people that just don't move. They just don't know how to play. They're not competent or they just, their energy isn't there. I mean, I'm sure that you're, a lot of the things that you learned in sports and we all learn in sports. I played soccer. I, you know, I learned how to play soccer in Scotland. How about that for uh, a little tidbit, right? Um, for an American, right? And and uh, I think sports helps us a lot in a lot of ways to learn how to get with a lot of uh, get along with a lot of different people that are competent, work hard, and you want to succeed and win together. And that's the sounds like the way your team is doing it today. Correct, and that's exactly why we are doing so well because we're focused on the mission and we're focused on alignment, not just around that mission. We're focused on alignment around getting along with each other. And because of that, that's where we are today. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think I'd like to, we've, we've packed a lot into this, you know, uh, 20 minutes or so, uh, Marcus, and it's been uh, a joy talking with you. And as I, as I sit here and think about, I always go through these podcasts, Marcus, and try to figure out what my, title is going to be. 
And and I actually have a I actually have a couple, but I think I'm going to go with broke but not broken. I love it. You know, and I think that's a message. And I, I think it's a message not just for individuals and the things that we do in leadership and, and the, your uh, title on your um, uh, leadership from within is absolute alignment with what we do at Staterius with a focus of inside out leadership. You've, you have to focus on yourself, your ego, right? You have to focus on what you're made of, what your values are, what's important, and then work with others from the inside out. And uh, I, I think that if we're, if we're struggling in the world, broken but not broken, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of struggle going on right now, then we need each other. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And here's the thing. If we're broke but not broken, we have to be strong enough to go out and get help from other people to actually help to rectify or put us back together, not to take care of us, but to at least give us that jump start that somebody does care about you. Like, don't take care of me. Just show me that you care. And that should light the fire from within me to want to go out and get things done. That's how it should work. And that's how I believe great teamwork and great corporations build and work. That's not a mystery to me or a surprise why you have the same pretty much fortune 500 clients. As you said, I've worked for, as of, we were hired by Oracle NetSuite, who was bought out by Oracle yesterday. So that is now our 35th fortune 500 client in the last about six years. Nice. We don't get that type of client base, those many organizations to work with you if you're not the best. They could pick whomever they want at the price that they want. That's just the way it is. So you have to have something different that's going to help them see that you are who they want to work with. Yeah, that's great. So I'm going to finish up with this, the question I always ask at the end of my podcast, Marcus, Uh if you could write yourself a letter and send it back to that Marcus, that 20 year old Marcus, or maybe that 32 year old Marcus who, you know, was so arrogant that he let his construction company go under in 90 days. What would you write to yourself? What would you tell that younger Marcus? Don't let success go to your head Mm. and never forget the cardinal rule of business. Every business is driven by human capital. Mm. The minute you start thinking that your human capital is not important or your people don't matter, you're doomed. So I would tell my younger self to not get mesmerized or enamored with success. It's part of the journey and continue to work towards new goals. I would also tell myself pretty much in plain, set a goal, achieve a goal, set a new goal. Mm. I set a goal with Caden, I achieved it, and I stopped. Mm. And today, I set a goal, achieve a goal. So like, for example, I achieved a goal, 35 Fortune 500 clients in about six years. Next goal, 40 Fortune 500 clients by the end of 2022. Mm. Yeah. That's the goal. So I hit that. Then 50 by you know the summer of 2023. Keep going forth. The minute you stop setting goals, the minute you start dying, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And getting your team to be aligned with those goals. Correct. Getting them excited about it. And basically, if it's inside out, it's what's in it for them. Correct. 
right? What growth are they going to have? What opportunities are they going to have? So it's aligning all those goals and enjoying it along the way. As you say, human capital, I just like to say human beings. That's good. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. It's like every business needs capital. Yeah. Fiscal capital, you know, some type and, and human capital. I mean, every yep. business needs some sort of capital. Some might be monetary or fiscal. Some might be people. So I call it capital because every business has to be started with capital, right? I mean, even if you are a coach, like, you know, you got to go out and buy some type of marketing. Like you can't just tell say, hey, I'm a coach. You got to spend a couple of dollars to get, you know, a marketing with, you know, packet or a business card, whatever the case may be. So it doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of capital, but every business I feel starts with some sort of capital, right? Small, medium, large, whatever, but then it's going to be driven by human capital, which is people that run the business. Well, yeah, the core of that capital, it might be knowledge and that's capital. Yep. Having knowledge, having expertise, like what we do to help people today is both of us as public speakers, as coaches and so on. So correct, Marcus, I want to thank you today for being my guest and being so fired up and, and excited about what you're doing. What exactly are you focused on today that you're providing for these Fortune 500 companies? What are you doing? So today, what we're really focusing on is more consulting and a larger scale and also doing some online products and courses to really help create that residual income. And then with the podcast, we're trying to really continue to move forward with that and kind of like, you know, become a very popular name with that because you're able to do very well for yourself by, you know, helping a lot of people and getting value into their, into their lives and giving them some hope and inspiration. And then mm. for yourself, if you do do well and you do have an audience, things like that, you can monetarily take care of your family and create your legacy in that regard. So that's something that we're really working on right now going into 2022 and beyond. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, Marcus Ogden, thank you so much for being our guest today. And I look forward to both being in the local area. I still look forward to sitting down with you and watching a football game and getting educated one day. I'd really enjoy doing that. Look forward to it, my friend. Thank you. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thank you for joining us today on Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care, be well, and be great. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. <laughs>